Hi, my name is Jamin. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Late, Late to, to the, the Watch, Watch Party. Party. Shh. The movie's starting. Hey, everyone. I don't know how to intro. I don't know how to do it. I'm not in the headspace. Guys, this was a this was a serious movie, so it's gonna be a serious vibe. Oh, you can't okay. joke about AIDS. <laughs> Don't joke about gump with the plosive p. With the plosive p. <laughs> Guys, welcome to this week's episode of Late to the Watch Party. If you can't tell, this week. We watched the very serious movie of Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. This has been highly anticipated by maybe not the listeners of this podcast because you didn't know we were going to cover it, <laughs> but pretty much everyone in my life. Yeah. This movie, even in me doing what I usually do where I kind of listen to other people's reviews and what they thought of it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, this is one of the biggest movies of all time. Like, it's just like so many people in the comments. I mean, this movie's huge. You'll find out in the next segment, but I thought we were walking into this fight together. But it turns out Rebecca had seen this movie, and I had not. I had not seen this movie. This was my first time seeing Forrest Gump. I am 25. Just like for for reference. (laughs) For scope. So, Rebecca... (laughs) Yeah, we can go. We can go back and forth. I have two. I only have two things. I only have one. Okay, then I'll go first. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I just want to say is that guys, even more anticipated across this podcast than Forrest Gump, I finally started that new position. I so here we are. I did it. Um, I am an assistant store manager now of a of a new you know doggy daycare. It's going great. I was so busy this week. <laughs> it was, um, I, this episode is being recorded at the end of the week when Mama Mia was... I'll just confess our sins. Mama Mia. This, because at this point, this is like two weeks later. Yeah. Yeah. I am the one who edits. And I... Just like real quick, guys. I had my one week where I finished up at the old work location. I worked five... like. Four 10-hour days in a row followed by a half day. And then I had one day off and then I started in as assistant store manager of a new store Monday through Friday. (laughs) So I was busy and that's the week that Mamma Mia was supposed to come out. And if you'll notice, if you look at our release history, we took a week off and it was not intentional. Um, It was because I kept pushing back the Mamma Mia editing because I was so busy and I was so tired and... We got to a point where I was like, okay, at this point, we're at the end of the week. I'll just release it next day. <laughs> we'll be back we'll on track. We'll catch you back around on the next one. Well, what else? Um, sorry to our UK listeners. You in particular. Who are you? You and in you're particular. A fan. Who? Tell. Listen. I started at the new position, though. The, the, the show is back on track, and the new position is great. The staff is great. I love my new job. I love the workplace. I've already started implementing ideas and making some changes, and I'm going to meetings now. It's like a big boy job. I have, like, 
work emails I have to respond to. And the craziness is that my boss, my manager, at the end of my first week on that Friday uh, is out sick, is all I'll say. And it is a sickness that is clearly ripping through our workplace because um, she's gone. And so now, boom, I'm running the store. And just anything and everything is happening. It's all hitting me. And then um, my customer service lead, who's kind of like there's the manager, the assistant manager, and the customer service lead, texted me on Saturday, which was supposed to be my first day off, and was like, I'm not feeling too great. Is it okay if I close the store early today? And I was like, oh my gosh, don't come in. I want to have you next week. And so I went in in her place and worked another day, and then... I just got a text from one of my day camp workers that they are sick with the same thing and are going to be out for the next few days. And so I have my, I have my like two, I have my awesome people in corporate, like who are rock stars who are on speed dial. I've already looked at the schedule for the week. I've like rearranged a couple things and I think we're going to be fine. And my boss should be back by Thursday and, and hopefully... Um, but I, but it's, it's great. It's cool. I'm having a great time. Um, my dogs are enrolled in dog training now. They're playing in a giant old dog park. It's super cool. Rebecca, what do you have to share? I, uh, actually have two things. Uh, my nephew was born. I have another nephew. Uh, his name is Elric. He's adorable. He is my, uh, brother and sister-in-law's first so very very exciting um now all of my older siblings have a at least one kid so pressure's on but no i'm very excited uh my sister-in-law is doing great baby is healthy and i'm very excited for them yay that's the first thing i have my only my only other thing i had to share was just what i'm watching Uh right now which is I still haven't progressed much further on the boys because I am I'm genuinely enjoying the boys and I want to focus on it. And with how busy I've been, like when I'm like off, I can't be like too, too invested. Mm. And I just today finished Miss Marvel. And let me tell you what, you guys have got to check it out. I just thought that show was really precious. It's like I need to rank the Marvel shows, but it's like in the tops for me. I had a really good time wow. with it. And it was just such a it was such a precious story about, you know, parents and their children. It added a lot of perspective to me. It made me feel happy and sad and like goosebumpy feelings. And also I loved the way that it very earnestly displayed Muslim culture, Pakistani culture, and like American Pakistani and American Muslim and like it didn't make – I felt like it was a very real depiction. I mean, I don't know, but I felt like it taught me some things. It was cool to see that culture so, like, alive and well and, like, positively depicted. Anyway, um, my second What's thing, your last thing is that I found out that this older gentleman that I have been checking out multiple times uh, at my time working at the grocery store – I just found out that he used to be the owner of the Dodgers baseball team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, turns out I've been checking out Peter O'Malley, um, former owner and chairman of the 
Los Angeles baseball teams, the Dodgers. He's a really nice guy. Very chill. Never would have guessed. Um, but my bagger, after he left, I checked him out on Saturday. And he was like, do you know who that was? And I was like, no, I have no idea that was. He's like, oh, he used to own the Dodgers. And I was like, huh? oh, <laughs> that's fun. This is huge news. I love the Dodgers. Listen, I don't care really. at all about the Dodgers, I... but that is insane. So, anyway, speaking of... I think that's it for this week. <laughs> I think that's it for this week's intro. For, without further ado, let's get into our preconceived notions. Let's get into our reaction to the ever-so-iconic Forrest Gump. For the things you know, and the things you think you know, these are the preconceived notions. Hey guys! Welcome to the preconceived notions part of the podcast. You are coming fresh off the intro. We're just, there's a flow to this podcast. What, you missed like an hour (laughs) (laughs) of of us setting up this watch-along for this movie Tears were shed, friendships were nearly <laughs> ended, Jamin was quiet, there was technical difficulties. Jamin was very but, quiet while I but went through an emotional journey. <laughs> um, this is the part of the podcast, we have not watched the movie yet at this point, we are just gearing up to watch it. Both of us have not seen it, right? I have seen it. What? Yeah. You've seen this? Yeah. I watched this one night when I couldn't sleep. I started it at midnight. This was like my sophomore year of college. And I watched it straight through. I finished at like 2.30 a.m. And I was just crying so much. Forrest Gump, your name is in green. I feel betrayed. Did you just check our production schedule to see if I lied? I did. I, th- I w- what? Yeah. I really thought we were both coming into this not knowing. Okay, no. so you learn something new every day about the people you think you know. But <laughs> so what I know about Forrest Gump is very sporadic. Okay. It's like all over the board. I'll try to go in an order that makes sense. I know that Tom Hanks is in it. I don't know any other cast. I don't think any other big names are in it. I feel confident in that. <laughs> Your voice did not I, sound confident. I, well, because I'm trying to read your face. I think I think Tom Hanks is the main guy that is remembered from this movie. And I know a lot of the iconic lines. I know run, Forrest, run. I know Mama always said life was, it's not is, life was like a box of chocolates. I know I love you, Jane. I don't know the context for any of those lines. I don't know why Forrest is being told to run. I don't know why his name is Forrest. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I know that Tom Hanks, I know that it spans multiple years. And I know that Tom Hanks, like I know that Forrest Gump is like mentally handicapped. And like, I, but I don't know what the plot is. Like, I don't know what the story that's being told is. I feel like there's a tragedy. Like, I feel like a death happens, maybe. And I feel like, I don't know. It feels like a very serious movie. But then when I clicked on it with on Netflix, it was like co- talking about it being like a co- like 
comedy was one of the genres. And that kind of shook me to my core. I didn't expect this movie to be even a little bit funny. So if it makes me go haha once, it will have a plot <laughs> twist. <laughs> so I thought that this was like what you just said. I thought it was solely a movie that is meant to touch your heart and make you cry. Like a Pixar film. But I don't think I know anything else concrete. I know... Oh, I think someone... Oh, I already said that. I think someone dies. I know that my mom... Like, this is, I guess, spoilers for the parental guidance segment. But, like, I hadn't seen... I think there's some kind of corrupt materials happening at some point. But I don't know what they are. All I know is that anytime I would ask my mom why I had never seen Forrest Gump, she would say that there was icky stuff in it. And then every time that I say that to a person, they make a very confused face. So I'm not sure what kind of content to expect. It is PG-13, it would seem, based on the image that's frozen on my screen. I know what your mom is talking about. I just like can't imagine Forrest Gump doing drugs or like having sex. So I don't know. I just don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Predictions. Yeah. Predictions. I think that Run Forest Run is going to happen towards the end of the movie. Like, that's probably, like, a culmination kind of moment for him. Mm-hmm. I think that... Oh, I know that Forrest Gump wears a red cap. Humongous Like, spoilers. all the time. He wears a red cap. Make America Great Again. So, I think, I think Run Forest Run <laughs> is going to happen towards the end. And I think that based on the line, life was like a box of chocolates. I, uh, he says his mom says that I bet she dies like early on and it's like a catalyst for him. What's this movie about? (laughs) I think that Forrest Gump, I think that he is a mentally handicapped man is who just is not kicked down by what life throws at him because that seems to be the like everyone it's very inspiring to everyone and Mm -hmm. he's in all the clips he's just like sharing unprompted life advice and so i don't know we're gonna see him go through the ringer and he's just gonna always have some like dr seuss anecdote to give um maybe forrest goes to war i'm gonna predict that this movie is a war movie and there is at least a chunk where he, like, is overseas. And... Sorry. You <laughs> keep, like, wanna... saying it and then, like, your facial expression. I can see that, like, you're watching my window. <laughs> I, I'm laughing at how intently you're watching me. <laughs> so, I have to reveal something to the listeners as well. I have an image that I know to be true in my mind, but I'm not positive if it's from this movie, so I guess we'll find out. <laughs> I know there's a movie Tom Hanks is in, in which at one point, I think near the end, he's like almost naked. He's like in his underwear, and he's like has a beard and long hair, and he's talking to a basketball. Like the basketball is now his friend. Like he's gone crazy. And... I think that might be the movie Castaway, <laughs> but I also feel like it might be this movie somehow. And so <laughs> I guess we'll see 
what kind of journey Forrest goes on? Because it seems to me it's possible he could wind up on top or he could not wind up on top. I, I also pre- I can't wait okay. for you to listen back to this predictions after the movie. Okay. My last thing and this isn't based on too much. It's just based on the fact that that um Tom Hanks is a completely neurotypical gentleman and he is as far as I know in this movie portraying someone who is not neurotypical. And I don't hear a lot of discourse about it. So maybe there's reasons, maybe everyone's on board with it. But I'm wondering if there's like a Mrs. Doubtfire level of aging with this movie where it's like, this is a little uncomfortable to see him play this. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Is the way Tom Hanks plays this here in 2022 going to feel like just like, like like Wolf of Wall Street, where like he's so lost in the character that I'm not even thinking of it as Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. or where it feels like he's all like it feels like it's kind of making fun of people who are on some who are who are not neurotypical. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I'm dreading going into the movie. And again, like I remember with Mrs. Doubtfire, I had heard some discourse before I ever even watched the movie about like transgender people. And with this, I don't feel like I've heard a lot of discourse. Amazing. Those are my preconceived notions. Okay. I'm going to order a slushy now, but let's go ahead and get into the movie. Three, two, one, play. Do you think that this feather is CGI? Yeah. It's not. They caught it by accident. That woman just almost got hit by that car. Shh. It was the 60s. That is very true of a box of chocolates. And I'm I'm floored. You're floored? By by everything I've seen. <laughs> there is no one as mindlessly evil as grade school kids in movies. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> he left them in the dust! <laughs> oh he's still going. <laughs> he's yeah. still running. Forrest Gump is a Dr. Pepper stand. <laughs> they actually called in President Kennedy for this role. I just, I, I, I told you he was going to join the army. I know. Is this where Bubba Gum's shrimp restaurant comes from? Yes. Stop! Yeah. I've been there. Felt like something just jumped up and bit me. It was a gunshot. I can't believe we're only halfway done with this movie. I know. What I, I know. else is... He's going to open a portal to another dimension. Like, what else can they do in this movie? And then everybody clapped. That's what that little yeah, story no. was. Why does he have to go? Oh my gosh. I can't stand the 60s. I cannot believe that line is not quoted. <laughs> I've never heard that line before. I should have heard that line by now. Sorry I had a fight in the middle of your Black Panther party. I love New Year's. Everybody gets a second chance. Did those two women just kiss? Did they just kiss? The ping pong component of this story is one that didn't pop up in my preconceived notions and never could have. I bet he's made the news. Someone has to have caught on to this. (laughs) Who is this guy? (laughs) 
Listen, if I'm running to this song, I would run across the country. <laughs> Here's my shrine I built of you. That's how I wish my friends would greet me when I visited St. Louis. Everything that they're cramming into this movie. Are they alluding to AIDS right now? Rebecca, stop crying. <laughs> He's wearing a little red hat. That was such a good, lighthearted movie. I love a good, light, uplifting ending. What about you, Rebecca? <laughs> if your voice cracks, you lose. <laughs> um, it was good. It was good. I'm stopping my recording. <laughs> Hey guys, welcome to a world where NASA has now put out images of the galaxy billions of years ago. Is that real? Did you know that they... Yeah, you do... Fake fan! <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, you like NASA? Name five songs, Name Rebecca. Name five songs! <laughs> um, no, True or false, Buzz Aldrin. The Hubble... <laughs> No, the Hubble telescope just put out images from like so many light years away, which means it's showing the galaxy like millions of years ago because of how like yeah, light time works. works. Yeah. Have you not seen Wait, these Wait, that's images? crazy. No, I haven't. I'm not really on social media. No, you can't look them up right now. It's going to be too distracting. I just saw even more today and I was like, I don't have the mental capacity to get into this. Jamin, so you have the recap this week this is i think yes. the first recap you have had from memory it is um what everybody doozy listeners i got a text from jamin right before we were initially supposed to start recording and he said i'm still working on my recap help me lord <laughs> jamin doesn't even believe in god but jamin was calling <laughs> for help from beyond to try to get through this recap that's the first true explicit statement of that on the podcast <laughs> oh i'm sorry to out and you as an this, <laughs> <laughs> yeah so for those of you who aren't blessed to know me i have the memory of dory from finding nemo and <laughs> Um, I, th I'm pretty, I'm like 99% confident I hit every major thing that happens in this movie. <laughs> the only things that I Googled was, I didn't Google any character names. I, all of the relevant ones, I did remember their names, at least how I used them in my recap. And there was one major historical event <laughs> that I needed to confirm for my recap <laughs> because boy, boy, boy. <laughs> For those of you who have seen Forrest Gump, I need you to just like reanalyze how much happens in this movie. Yep. Without further ado, guys, here's the recap of everything that goes down in Forrest Gump. So, we open on a man sitting on a bus stop bench enjoying a box of chocolates. The man, who we will soon know as Forrest Gump, starts telling his life story completely unprompted to multiple people. <laughs> this takes us back to Forrest's kid years. We see that Forrest is a bit neurodivergent and was born with some wonky legs. 
with a doctor installing braces so that he could walk. Forrest has a fierce mother who does not want him to go through life believing lies that he is lesser than anybody else. She runs an Airbnb, and we are treated to a prequel to the new Elvis movie when Forrest teaches Elvis how to do that crazy thing with his legs. Forrest, <laughs> Forrest, after being shunned by many peers, meets Jenny on the school bus. She is sassy and almost immediately point blank asks the kid if he is stupid. Jenny is abused by her father with Forrest and her running through a field to escape him where Jenny prays that God make her a bird so she can fly far, far away. In this recap, prepare for the roller coaster this movie takes you on. It is, it is jokes one minute and then cruel, cruel world the next. Very true. Um, one day while being chased by cartoon bullies, Forrest runs so fast that his leg braces break off, revealing him to be an incredible runner. Forrest and Jenny grow up together, best friends. Forrest is still running from cartoon bullies, and he <laughs> runs away right into a football scholarship. He goes to college. <laughs> he, <laughs> he goes to, That's quite literally what happens. He goes to college. He's named All-American. He gives a dropped book back to Vivian Malone Jones. He meets President Kennedy. Madness. One day, Forrest sees Jenny being sexually assaulted in a car oh while God. meaning to surprise her on her college campus. He intervenes only to be scolded by Jenny. After graduating, Forrest enlists in the army, where he befriends a man who calls himself Bubba, and they are both sent to Vietnam. This is not before Bubba convinces Forrest to go into the shrimping business with him when they get home. While in Vietnam, doing their usual rounds, their unit is ambushed. Bubba dies in the process. Forrest, not knowing this, saves multiple so soldiers in an effort to find his best friend, including his Lieutenant Dan, who loses both of his legs. Lieutenant Dan is pissed off as he wanted to die a hero's death and not live on. In recovery, Forrest develops a skill for ping pong, Forrest, upon returning home, is awarded the Medal of Honor by President Lyndon B. Johnson, second president of the movie. <laughs> At an anti-war rally sometime later, Forrest reunites with Jenny, who is now a drug-addicted hippie. She is with an abusive man again. They part ways, despite Forrest's pleading with Jenny leaving to explore the world with the abusive man. Forrest becomes a sports celebrity in the ping pong world, which somehow gets him an interview alongside John Lennon, where he inspires his song, Imagine. Um, on New Year's Eve, Forrest is... <laughs> this was a reveal for Rebecca. That's not the reveal that I was waiting for, though. But that's what their weird conversation was on the interview, is it's implying that Forrest inspired the Imagine There's No People. Oh. So. The one that all I the just celebrities out, had a mental break and sang during quarantine. I just found out that that song was written by John Lennon. So, okay. So then. Who is a Beatle? He's a Beatle and he was killed. Don't, Forrest makes sure to tell us that. <laughs> On New Year's Eve, Forrest <laughs> is reunited with Lieutenant Dan and spends the holiday with him. Lieutenant Dan is still missing his legs and he is still pissed. He's angry to be alive and angry at the government's lack of care for Vietnam vets. 
Soon after, Forrest's ping-pong success leads him somehow to a meeting with President Nixon, where he is then given a room in the Watergate Hotel, where Forrest somehow exposes the Watergate scandal. See, that I did not pick up on in the movie. I learned about that in the trivia. That was the thing I googled. Mm. Is I afterwards was like, wait a minute, what? Wait. And then I had to confirm. I was pretty certain that that's what was going on. And I remember during the movie, I was like, they were robbing that. And I was like, wait, (laughs) was that straight up Watergate? He exposes the Watergate scandal. Forrest returns home and uses the money from his ping pong success to buy a shrimp boat. Lieutenant Dan enters stage right and joins Forrest in founding Bubba Gum Shrimp Company. They survive a goddamn hurricane. Um, and then they see wild success with the company. Forrest uses the money to help Bubba's mother, Louise, to live a life where she no longer needs to be white people's cooks. Uh, Lieutenant Dan, having finally found life worth living again, thanks Forrest for saving his life and buys him stock in Apple, which Forrest refers to as some kind of fruit company. <laughs> they are both now millionaires. <laughs> Forrest returns to his hometown to find his mother has cancer and she dies almost upon sight of him. Jenny, years later, in recovery from drug abuse, finds Forrest and stays with him for a while. She confesses her love, they make love, and then she's gone the next morning. Typical. Forrest responds to this by running, I mean, forever. He does a cross-country marathon like eight times and gains national fame for it. And I mean (laughs) cross-country, at least by his accounts. Like, he crosses every state of America. After all of this, after all of this, we return to the bus stop where it is revealed that Forrest is waiting because he received a letter from Jenny who has AIDS and a son. Jenny is dying, is all we know. Forrest and Jenny marry, where she soon dies after. The film ends with Forrest seeing his son off to school at the same bus stop that he waited at as a kid. Also, the kid's name is Forrest. (laughs) The end. (laughs) Strong ending. Strong ending. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers. I almost wrote a thoughts and prayers just for Forrest Gump for having to live through the plot of this movie. (laughs) 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 Woo! The movie, that, like, writing it, I was like, there's no way for me to, like, transition from this joke about about this thing to... Jenny being abused by her father. We <laughs> went just from like, cartoon bullies scenes, to child abuse. Because the scenes happen back to back that's themselves. What, that's how it so happened in the movie. Like, it would like open up on a drug scene right after Forrest Gump was just doing, you know, a silly banter with Lieutenant Dan. All right. Well, I'm going to get to some fun facts now about the movie. My first fun fact is what the speech was that he gave at the anti-war rally, but that the mic was unplugged for. Like, these are the lines that... I have comments what about he said. that. Um, when Forrest gets up to talk at the Vietnam rally in Washington, the microphone plug is pulled and you cannot hear him. According to Tom Hanks, the lines he said were, Sometimes when people go to Vietnam, they go home to their mamas without any legs. Sometimes they don't go home at all. 
that's a bad thing. That's all I have to say about that. I agree with him. <sighs> you know, I will say Forrest always said it how it was. Uh, my next fun fact is that Tom Hanks' younger brother, Jim Hanks, doubled for him in many of his numerous running sequences. According to Jim, Tom had other doubles, but they couldn't do the run. Referring to Forrest's geeky, stiff stride, he said, it's a stupid Hanks thing. <laughs> <laughs> I also just know this from other trivia, but Jim Hanks actually does a lot of voices for like, he does like the Woody voice for like video games and like stuff like that. Oh. Yeah. Some of other Tom Hanks characters. Thoughts and prayers to Jim Hanks, who apparently is like the shadow actor for Tom. <laughs> Never heard of him till this moment. <laughs> yeah. During the ambush scene in Vietnam, the enemy is actually never seen. This led many combat veterans, especially Vietnam veterans, to rate this as one of the most accurate combat scenes in movie history. It was very sudden, the enemy isn't seen, and it happens very quickly. Fun fact. Uh, my last one is in the movie there are four actors who play multiple roles. Gary Sinis? I don't know how to say his last name. Sinus? Sinus? Anyway, he plays Lieutenant Dan as well as all of Lieutenant Dan's ancestors. McKelty Williamson plays uh, Bubba as well as the waiter opening the Dr. Pepper bottles when Forrest meets JFK as an All-American football player. Sally Field plays Forrest's mom as well as a male reporter during Forrest's run across America. And of course, Tom Hanks plays both Forrest and his Confederate ancestor. I'm going to have to rewatch that scene now. I and know. Find I want to find did her. Did you? No, I, I did not clock it Whoa. at all. Those are my fun facts. That was some good trivia. My preconceived notions for this movie, I called several elements. You, like, <laughs> there was a string of like two minutes straight where you literally just described the plot of Forrest Gump. And then you were like, but I don't know. Maybe he goes to war. You know what? I think that Forrest okay. Gump goes to war in this movie. And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> okay. But the issue is that <laughs> the reason I didn't know the plot is because I, it's hard to say the movie has a plot. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Like there's, how would I describe this movie? <laughs> like, it is a series of events that happen. In someone's life. Yeah. All that I picked up on was a series of events. And so I felt that he would go to war. That was very true. That was true. I didn't call the sports angle. <laughs> you did not catch the, the ping pong plot line. Or the football. Or the football. Or the running across America. I did call his mom dying. You did. I called him running. And I called him getting a red hat and a beard. Yeah. You did think that that bit from Castaway was in this movie which it is not and it's not a I basketball did. it's a volleyball we have like four talking points and i might as i was like processing the movie i couldn't tell if my thoughts would filter into these or not so we'll just see mm -hmm. before we get into the 60s and 70s of it all i want to talk about just a big up yours to every single person in my life that i would say i've never seen forrest gump and then they would go what you haven't seen Forrest Gump. And I would go, well, my mom just never let me watch it because she said that there was some icky stuff in it. And they would go, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do I mean? 
all my life <laughs> I've thought, oh, there's like there's like a scene. <laughs> there's like a bad scene and they're forgetting about the scene. This movie was rife with inappropriate it's the content. The whole character of Jenny. Like every scene that Jenny, Jenny was in was the reason that I couldn't see this movie. Not to spoil even e- even Jenny, but aside from Jenny, there's the New Year's Eve whenever Forrest and Lieutenant Dan are hooking up with two women. Yeah. There's language. Yeah. There's all kinds of like light political commentary. <laughs> Just there's light dr- and not overt at all. Well, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> the Like, it's just like there was, I feel that I've been a part of a prank. <laughs> I feel that everyone who was like, what do you mean bad content in Forrest Gump <laughs> is being funny? <laughs> because how could you overlook all of that? I want it on record as we transition into my general thoughts. None of that is me saying those are bad things. I don't think I have criticisms to say about literally almost any of that. Um, none of that did I view as bad or like not necessary. Mm -hmm. I loved this movie. I really enjoyed it. I think it balanced the light and the dark very well, Mm. particularly by channeling it through the force dyad of Forrest and Jenny, which is one of our talking points. But you typed up, so you lead the way. We have, the first thing we wanted to discuss was the 60s and 70s of it all. What did you have to bring to this topic? I just want to ask who was in charge because it seems to me that there were an awful lot of people getting shot in the 60s and 70s. What the heck? The president. (laughs) Twice. Who do I need to speak to about this? Who was in charge? <laughs> Who left and said, you guys can take care of yourselves for a couple of decades? Because America, if not the world, had a few big things going on. And it felt like it was it was just always crazy. When I was looking at the that rally in Washington, D.C., I was like, I mean, I already had this opinion, but the way that like... The older generations are always like, ah, these younger generations. Like the older generation now were those like hippies in the in the 60s and the 70s who were like protesting war and stuff like that. And I was like, I can only imagine like what the older generations thought, you know, about them. And then it's just the cycle of history just repeating itself. Yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. It was... You said that in the trivia that Tom Hanks wanted it to be historically accurate. And they had no... They were like, I don't know how to do that other than to just keep showing major historical events. (laughs) They just pulled up a U.S. history book and was like, okay. Throw it in. He can go here. Because even whenever it wasn't something that he was connected to, we kept opening scenes by touching (laughs) base with U.S. history via the TV. Mm Mm-hmm. There was stuff happening always. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) I liked it. I don't know. I've processed a lot about the movie. I have a lot to say about like theming and like meaning. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I fully understand that choice. Of? Of like, like like those things are very deliberately included. Mm. Like it's not like, 
Like, it's like it's so many that they're like constant little Easter eggs. Right. And I don't know if I understand the choice. It could literally just be for fun. Mm -hmm. But it's so many that it feels like there's a point to it. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure what the point is, especially because the creators said that they wanted it to be a very apolitical movie. And all of the reasons I can come up with for them to include all of that are political. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I'm like, what was your reason for all of that? And some of the, like, discourse I've seen about the movie has to do with all of those. And it and it's not a, an interpretation I like that makes it very, um, you know, po- like, it's a criticism of caring about politics at all. Oh. That it's, like, taking an apolitical stance the way, like, people do. Where it's just kind of, like, just worry about yourself, do your thing. Like, that most characters who get in, like, that, like, politics is happening in the background and it's depicted in the movie as a largely negative thing Mm -hmm. that like all of the like hullabaloo and arguments over desegregation is just like people being angry and that like jenny is like punished for joining a political cause Mm. and it's like i don't know if i like that either yeah i don't love that idea and so i just choose to view it as more of a fun tiny thing because it feels like if you try to think of it It feels to me, and I'm totally open to other perspective, but like it feels to me like when you try to insert it in a political meaning way, it's like Forrest gets everywhere he gets in this movie via not caring at all about politics. And like it feels like there's so many people in the real world who are like, I just live my life and I just am nice to people and the world will work itself out and that they think that it's silly to care about political causes at all. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, but the... The desegregation fight that was happening in the background was an important one. And so, like, I don't love that possible takeaway. Yeah. Which is why it's a slight criticism that it's like, if they're going to include all of that so deliberately, Mm -hmm. I wish they made it more clear that it was just a gag. Mm. Or... I wish they made a point with it. Yeah. That feels deliberate. Yeah. Which sometimes movies are just going to have takes I don't like. That's not me saying they shouldn't have them. But I just don't like it. Sure. What were you going to say? I was going to say I feel like there was definitely a split between like important, like, like, you know, milestone major references and then like gag references. Like I feel like the smiley face on the t-shirt and the like stock in Apple, like those were like gag, like, oh, haha, this came out of the 80s sort of thing. But then Mm -hmm. I, I think that I viewed it as, you know, taking somebody's lifetime that included these humongous, like world shaking, you know, events and developments and then watching it through the eyes of somebody who is perpetually kind and optimistic, sort of in spite or right alongside and in the midst of it. You know, it's not like he was just at home being like, whatever, there's a war in Vietnam. Like he was in Vietnam. It wasn't like mm-hmm. he was like, oh, you know, uh, segregation is ending somewhere. It was like at his school. And so I thought it was kind of more of a positive spin on what could be viewed as a very negative couple of decades. I mean, like I was just saying, like people were being shot left and right. Like all of these, you know, very, very important things were happening and very... um you know, divisive things were happening. And so I think that the, I guess the way that I viewed the movie was just to sort of present kindness in and through it versus 
like taking, I guess, a political stance maybe or an apolitical stance. So my thing with Forrest is I loved him as a character. It was just written so well where like they set up so many things at the beginning that it felt like you saw the character experience in the world. Mm. I feel like, again, there's two ways you could take it. Like initially, whenever he like broke off the braces, Mm -hmm. I was almost like rolling my eyes (laughs) in a small, small way because I don't love when movies depict someone with any kind of disability as like breaking free from their AIDS as an empowering thing. Right. Like the, like the character on depression throwing away the pills sure sure and like getting rid of the things because i'm like those are things that help people (laughs) right but they're almost always depicted in movies as like things restraining them Mm -hmm. and it's like if you have bipolar disorder that medication is the thing keeping you stable half the time or if you have adhd or if you have depression or if you have issues with your legs and you need mechanics on them to make them work the best they can. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, but so often they're depicted. So it's like, you could take that as that way. But I think it's more that like, I just said this about someone in my life that like, I don't think people who are, um, you know, any kind of special needs should be treated the same as everyone else. They should be treated special. That doesn't mean they should be treated less than, Mm -hmm. That just means they should be given the accommodation they need to succeed. And this movie doesn't necessarily play into that. Forrest is treated like everyone else. And from the very beginning of the movie, the mom is just like, you are just like everyone else. Mm -hmm. And the way they do it in the movie, I really like where it's almost like she sets him up with this worldview. Forrest's mind does not work like everyone else's. And so like, that's, that's why I liked it is Mm. because she doesn't just say that to him and then treat him like everyone else because she then phrases things in a way that help him understand because he's not like everyone else. And it starts with the whole life is like a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. And then right from his childhood, he understands that life is not going to give him consistency and he Mm. cannot, he has to just roll with it. And that creates this optimistic little dude who's just always okay with life giving him the most unexpected things yeah and it's how he survives the 60s and 70s yeah and even from like you see that manifest in him having to like process things in a way that makes sense to him he sees things very simply and it's what gets him so far his his disability is his strength half the time in the movie mm-hmm. the the drill lieutenant dan the drill sergeant it's like screaming the orders at him and he just gives a very simple response and he's like you must be a genius because <laughs> oh, he gave his, us his he, drill sergeant in boot camp yeah, yeah and he just he's just like he sees it black and white like yeah. he gives a very simple response a very literal response or when he meets the bus driver, mm-hmm. he, she's like, get on the bus. You know, this is a school bus. He's like, yeah, but I'm not supposed to talk to Stranger. strangers. So then he introduces himself. He's mm-hmm. like, I'm Forrest Gump. What's your name? Dorothy, like Morrison or whatever her name was. I loved her. She was a character. <laughs> and then he says, well, now we're not strangers. Like, I loved the way they set that way that he operates up and the way that his mom instilled in mm-hmm. him this way to navigate this world. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I feel like it highlighted all of these like arguments over desegregation and stuff that are happening in the background because they're happening because people see things so complicated. Mm-hmm. And if we could all learn to see things more black and white, like Forrest Gump and what is right and what is wrong, yeah, it would like change everything. Like I loved that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that 
that distinction when she's talking to that principal and she's like, my son is going to say have the same opportunities as everyone else. Like, I feel like that yeah. was the biggest thing that set him up to be able to navigate his life is that he was given the same opportunity to go to a school and he worked hard and he worked with his best friend and he was able to to do everything. I mean, he met multiple presidents. He was the like at a world championship level of several sports like he had like objectively a very very successful life he was a millionaire by the end like and I think Mm -hmm. all of that stemmed from that original scene where his mom was standing up for him by saying he's not stupid and he's gonna have the same opportunity as everybody else I think if you are to take away from it that it's like that the movie is saying that politics is silly and Forrest Gump achieves all of these things by being simple and just doing his thing that's taking it too simply because Forrest Gump's success in the movie is not his monetary gain. It is not his business. It is this thing that I wanted to get into, which is love. Yeah. Which is cheesy. I got it. Whatever. But the movie does it well. Like he says, he says, I know what love is and that's not it. And I feel like the way Forrest views love, I think that that is a through line because mm-hmm. I think that it says so much to moments like L- Lieutenant Dan, who are like, I wanted to come here and die a hero's death. Mm-hmm. But to Forrest, life is worth living and that's not kind mm-hmm. to just leave someone to die. Yeah. So he saves him. Yeah. And I mean, like, as he's Lieutenant- saving him, Dan is like screaming and hitting him, telling him to leave him. Stop. And like Forrest is picking him up anyway. Because uh, like because to him, he viewed it as like an achievement. Mm-hmm. But it's an achievement that like shows nobody kindness mm-hmm. and helps no one. Yeah. And to someone like Forrest, it's just like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Why would you just do that? Yeah. And when we get into the Jenny side of it, I'm going to cry. I'm already almost crying. <laughs> I just think like... I don't know. I just think it was like, I said it during the movie. I don't know how you write a movie like this. Yeah. Like, how do you conceptualize it? And then how do you execute it? And how is it so good in ways that I think are beautiful? Like, I like I meant it when, when I said it in the recap that Lieutenant Dan, like, I thought he committed suicide mm-hmm. when he jumped <laughs> off the boat. Mm-hmm. He has no legs. Well, because the way that Forrest phrases it is, I think... Lieutenant Dan made his peace with God, which is a very beautiful sentence that could artistically Mm -hmm. mean many different things. And I totally see what you mean, because it was literally Dan like swimming into the sunset after jumping off of the boat. Yeah, but it was but it was him seeing that like dying a hero's death Mm -hmm. would have just meant nothing. It didn't fix anything. And it would have deprived him of all of this life. And of, guess what? Love. He has Susan by the end. And he has legs again. Like, there's all of this solution Mm -hmm. that, like, everyone in this movie is so relatable. Like, I think Forrest, like, represents just, like, the average person with the way that he's just living through major historical (laughs) events. Right. Just as so many in the 60s and 70s did, as we unfortunately are now. (laughs) But, like, I feel like the journeys that Jenny and and Bubba and Lieutenant Dan go through are not unrealistic. They're Mm -hmm. not fantastical. They're not dramatized. They feel very earnest. Yeah. 
And so it's like they feel very like you can see yourself in that situation. Mm. And whether you're before, during, or after the hardship, you know? Mm. If I say anything else, I'm going to start crying. (laughs) What did you have to say the next point, next to last point, Tom Hanks' performance? I think he killed this performance. Like, it is... Mm -hmm incredible something that you said in your preconceived notions was i don't know if this is going to be a situation where like wolf of wall street he's so completely committed and lost in the character that i'm going to forget that it's an actor portraying somebody with this situation or if it's going to feel offensive and i obviously having already seen the movie it was reiterated again to me that it is a lost in the character sort of performance for me i mean like i'm and tom hanks is just like an incredible american treasure like everybody loves him and he i think deserves that because he's such a good actor and everything that i've seen him in has either like made me belly laugh or cry like because he's such a captivating performer but he does really embody this like you know your neighbor next door or like your brother or you know somebody that you know who is a human being And I think really portraying the humanity of Forrest, even though, you know, Forrest is a very specific kind of character that maybe not everybody is, but like you, like what you were saying, it's like he, it felt like he kind of represented the average person. It was just an incredible thing to watch. Like, I feel like I cried in almost every scene, like, or and not every scene, but like every major like plot development had me at the brink of tears. The the best part from the movie when we get to it, it factors into specifically his performance, mm. and it's so which is why it's so specific, mm-hmm. and it's going to be anticlimactic. I'll just like pre- preface everyone now: it's not a big dramatic moment. Mm. It's a very little moment uh-huh. that has stuck with me since the movie mm-hmm. last night. But I was going to say the same thing that mm-hmm. like. This was very much, like, almost immediately, I just, like, forgot, (laughs) like, who Tom Hanks even was and how he normally is. Like, and it was, like, to the point that, like, the um, scene after he, like, breaks up the sexual assault with with the guy in the car Mm -hmm. and they go to her dorm room and then she's, like, trying to seduce him, I felt, like, very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I r- did not like that part because because it felt like someone with special needs being taken advantage of. Yeah. And it was like, I was like super not okay with it. But in the end, both of those people on screen are neurotypical and like everything was fine. But it's mm. like, but it, he was so convincingly yeah. a person like that, that I was like, I was like morally not okay. I yeah. was like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Like that you can't do this. I love this man yeah. and I love this character and I love his energy and his outlook on life. And it made me realize why he's so quoted and it doesn't like, I feel like when you hear what the movie is and what Tom Hanks is portraying and you hear the quotes and the way people say the quotes, it sounds like people are like, Oh, he says it funny and that's funny. So I say it. I love you, DNA. Mm -hmm. But I feel like when you watch it, you find that like people love the things this man says and they love to say the things this man says. And it's, I don't, I don't think that it's as much making fun of someone with any kind of handicap. Yeah. I think it is just people genuinely loving the character too. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, was he like nominated for anything for this movie? Um, I th- I mean the the movie won Best Picture at the Oscars. 
Uh, yeah, he won it. Best actor. Yeah. It won best actor, best picture, best adapted screenplay, best director, best visual effects, best film editing, best supporting actor, best original score, best cinematography, production design, sound mixing, makeup and hairstyling, and sound editing. Okay. Holy so cow. So it was one of those Hamilton situations. <laughs> it was a Hamilton. Swept the floor. <laughs> uh, some of those, I was like, did it need that one? Did it need best hair? Oh, sorry. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It. Those were the nominations, 13 nominations. It won six okay. of them, including Best Picture, Best Actor, and Best Director, and then three others, but I'm not going to open the article. So Tom Hanks... I was going to say, I was like, did it need Best Sound Mixing? Like, there wasn't anything else. Like, the score was great, and, like, the sound effects were fine. Anyway. But that, that his, was his yeah. second Oscar that he won. Tom Hanks. Yeah, it's one of those performances where, like, you once you watch it, it's hard to not get it yeah. and get why it's so beloved. Yeah. Like, sorry, I'm so late to it, Tom. Tom, this is a public apology. Tom, I've been here Please. the whole time. Be mad at Jamin, not me. Tom has been refusing to come on the podcast because of this. And I, I, I was talking this... to him the other day, and he was like, "I, <laughs> it's literally because of Jamin." <laughs> imagine in the checkout line in yeah. the checkout line <laughs> all the right after peter o'malley it was tom hanks and i was like tom he was like, aren't you that girl from that podcast and i was like <laughs> here's where we get into for those of you on this podcast who don't watch star wars obsessively <laughs> like rebecca and i do and or who watch star wars but are sequels haters sequels haters stop listening well wait <laughs> Ooh. Uh, oh that was the most political thing you've said on this podcast sequel haters you can stick around but you've got to be nice that's what i was gonna say i was like you cannot like it just be nice about it anyway no but for those of you who don't know there's a whole concept spoiler alert <laughs> for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker, the last in the episodic saga, there's a whole concept introduced in Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. You could argue it was introduced in The Force Awakens, but it's not named to the, to the <laughs> Rise of Skywalker, called a Force Dyad, where it is two people bonded in the Force, just like their souls are tied together. Um, and as it's used in Star Wars, they are a person of the light side of the Force and the dark side of the Force. And as one of them grows in the light, one of them grows in the dark. They're tethered together. They're destined to, like, unite and, you know, fight the world. I don't know. It's vague. But it's been a reoccurring joke on this podcast, <laughs> weirdly enough. And I feel it's never been more apt than Jenny and Forrest Gump. Yeah. Truly, they are a Forrest Dyer. Yeah. In every way that Star Wars uses it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Copy, paste, no editing needed. Boom, boom. They were starting to come up with the rise of Skywalker and they said, <laughs> how do we tie up Rey and Kylo Ren? <laughs> And then someone in in their tr in the meeting room had a little portable DVD player. <laughs> and they were watching Forrest Gump. They and said it was one the to scene, one. It was the scene where Jenny is leaving in that weird police car taxi, and they were like, "Again, wow!" 
You know, I just had a great idea for how to finish the movie that we're writing. Every every time Forrest is is succeeding in this movie, Jenny is going further down the dark side. Mm-hmm. So let's get into it. The that's literally how Rebecca wrote it in our talking points notes. <laughs> we have one, the sixties and seventies. Two, Forrest Gump's life. What a guy. Three, Tom <laughs> Hanks' performance, and four. Forrest and Jenny's force dyad, which you spelled wrong, but it's okay. Oh, is it D-Y-A-D? It's with a Y, yeah. <sighs> what? At least in Star Wars. I'm looking it up. I know a lot about the force dyad. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just kind of wanted to bring it up as like a jumping off place, but I feel like we've already, we've been dying to get into the subject since the beginning, so we've already talked a lot about how just... It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking to see them not come together when it was so clear from when they were little kids sitting on a tree, like reading a book together, that they were perfect for each other. And it just escalated through the more hits that Jenny took in her life the whole time trying to get away from that or escape that and then just falling deeper into another thing that would abuse her and use her and then discard her along the way. And then, you know, she finally shows up like at his house and you're like, uh, like it's per- like, this is it. Like, and they spend those few days together and they walk around and then like, it's, it seems like this could be such a perfect, you know, happily ever after ending. And then she leaves again. And it's like, it's but but it's not even a way that you're mad at her because she doesn't know anything else. Like she's never been like given that example of what love actually looks like aside from Forrest and with him it's such a specific relationship that she doesn't she doesn't understand that that's love. You know, she's she's searching for this this thing that she's never seen before and so she can't recognize it when she sees it and that generational trauma of I mean she was born into that and then just every situation fell deeper deeper into it when we meet oh my gosh (laughs) like when we meet Forrest Jr. and the moment happens when like Forrest sees him and is like has a very big reaction and you're like not really sure what it is and then he asks is he stupid and like for that that moment really got me in the movie but seeing that he's not and understanding that culmination of like what Jenny and Forrest had together was that healing thing for both of them like that having a son was Jenny finding out what true love is because she loves her son. And for Forrest, it's like learning that like, even though like he, cause he knows that he's, you know, he, he knows that he's slow. And so seeing that he can have a son that is smart and that is bright and is all these things that he didn't think that he could ever have. They both have what they ultimately like wanted or needed in their life in their son, Forrest. Mm-hmm. I need you, you to talk now in. because I'm just going to start crying. You're going to cry because I'm talking. That's fine, but at least you're talking and I can cry silently. <laughs> Every choice they made of how to frame Jenny was heartbreaking. From the very first 
like almost moment we meet her after the school bus, it is them through the eyes of a child, but through the mouthpiece of of someone neurodivergent like Forrest telling us that her father touched her yeah. and that her father hit her. Yeah. And then immediately showing us a scene of them running from him and pr- saying, pray to God with me and praying, make me a bird so I can fly away from here. Yeah. is just awful. Yeah. And I feel that bird motif pops up and up and up and up mm-hmm. because... I think that Forrest and Jenny truly are a Forrest dyad. They're truly mirroring each other's journeys in ways because in the way that when Forrest starts running and he says everywhere he went, he is always running. Um, He says, I was always running. He says it was like so much joy. It's so much fun. Like, so like, and he's going from place to place and he's not stopping. He's exploring the world. So is Jenny. Mm Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't say that it's bad that she's going from place to place. Literally, like, someone approaches her while she's a hippie and is like, we're going to San Francisco. You want to come? And she's like, sure. Here I come. But it's almost like she's running away. Yeah. yeah. She even says, like, but it's but it, at the same time, like, someone even refers to her as running. They're like, what are you running away from? She's like, I'm not running. But it's the only love she has ever known is a love that hurts her. Yeah. And so it's like she knows that it hurts her, but love with Forrest doesn't feel like love. Right. Because it doesn't hurt. Right. And that's why she keeps running away from that. But it's like in an like it's like she is running in an effort to get away from the pain without acknowledging that the pain is coming from within her. Mm-hmm. You can't get away from it. And she's numbing it with drugs and with alcohol and with sex and with being with these different men who are also hurting her because it's the only love she's ever known. She lands with Forrest for that one night and then goes away and then has the kid. And I think that the bird, like that you you see that the little bird feather at the beginning Mm -hmm. Is what like lands with Forrest while he's waiting to go see her. Mm-hmm. That was the like thing. That moment onward is when Jenny was finally set free. Mm. That like she was that bird who flew away from it all. Yeah. And like that she like heartbreakingly like view like for the longest time that like as an adult that motif to her was suicide was can I just fly away from it this way? And we and see her that, contemplate that several times throughout the movie. Yes. Yes. And I thought we were going to see her do it. Yeah. She and then that leads Forrest to her to her like finally I just read they were together for apparently a year before she died. That was not clear to me in the movie. <laughs> um but it's like that feather is the moment right before Forrest is led to her. And where she experiences real love. They seem so sincerely happy together. And they have this beautiful son that is a culmination of healing on both of their parts. And is true love, like you said. And then she passes away in like much the same like visuals as the mother. It's awful. And then the feather leaves and like, like it feels like that whole from the moment the feather arrives to leaves is the symbolism of like her becoming that bird and her flying away. 
her escaping this world that showed her so much cruelty, but not until she finally experienced true, actual, real love. Like, I think that their stories mirror each other, and it's one person who, like, learned what love was as a kid. He had an amazing mother who only ever showed him awesome, nurturing love, and couldn't understand how others couldn't accept that. And then you have the one who only ever knew awful love. And both of them are running through this life, and both of them are doing so many different things. And, like, they aren't together until, I think, Jenny almost adopts a less complicated mindset and, like, gets with Forrest. But, like, I think that, like, having the child simplifies things for her. Mm -hmm. Like, I think in loving Forrest Jr. is how she learns to finally love Forrest. Mm -hmm. I think that's beautiful. Like, I think that that's awesome. And I, like, I don't know what to think of, like, the symbolism of her dying. Mm -hmm. And, like, my interpretation was that she was dying of AIDS given the time period and the fact that she was sleeping around so much. Yeah. The Wikipedia synopsis just says an unknown disease. To me, it felt pretty known. I, (laughs) Um, every conversation I've ever had, it's kind of agreed upon that she had AIDS. Yeah. That's how I felt. Two moments in the movie that really got to me was when they were, was when she came and stayed with him for the first time and they were going on walks and they stumble upon the hu- the house, yeah. and she just throws rocks. And I'm just a sucker for a part of a movie where a character's really given space to feel big feelings, and there's no, like, plot to it. There's no dramatic tension. It's just someone so humanly angry and just throwing rocks at the house because that house was nothing but pain for her, and breaking the windows, and him saying sometimes there aren't enough rocks. Gosh. And then that was the moment that got me in the midst of the really heartbreaking speech at the grave was the hard cut to him bulldozing the house. Like justice. Yeah. Like 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 she had achieved what wh- like like she had gotten where she needed to to heal. So get the hell rid of it. Yeah. Like like it's done. Again to see him like so in love with his son and carry on with this like little boy that he loves and like sit with him at the bus stop and talk about waiting for him there when he's done. Like it was, it was truly like a, like these two people's like journeys, life, love tragedies culminated in like such a good thing going forward. Yeah. And I loved that. Yeah. So for me, what was really difficult about that graveyard scene was the way yeah. that he said that, like, he missed her. Like, ugh. And I feel like Forrest spent a lot of his life, like, missing her. So, like, I know they ended up, like, together and they had the kid together and that year was wonderful, but I still, I still think we see, like... My goodness. I think we still see like that like you know those scars do continue and and there's a fresh chance for Forrest Jr. Um but it's not like it was you know easy in any way like it was it was such a good thing that came out of so much pain. Mhm. They were robbed of so many good years. Yeah. 
like so much like there's like that yes they got it but yeah. like they could have had so much more uh, there was a couple this is a like i it feels like it's a, just a heavy note to re- cap the review on but also like the movie arguably ends kind of heavy <laughs> like yeah. it's it's a very funny movie very goofy movie but it also is throughout very heavy and it ends on the heavy note which is bold but there was a couple notes i think i wrote down i wrote down forrest gump is the prequel to the universe (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) and i also wrote down there was just a flash of like my shock at the beginning until I just kind of accepted all that was going to shock me in the movie. But I wrote my first note. Do you, can you guess what my first note is? I mean, I know what my first note is. And my first note I is w- the KKK question mark. <laughs> so I feel like that was your first one. <laughs> it's the exact same note in all caps with question marks. It's the KKK wasn't expecting that (laughs) i have one two three four five seven because i was (laughs) very confused and then it's like a sequence of like then i put i'm sorry the she had sex question mark with the principal question mark what then in all caps it's elvis That one was really shocking. Kurt Russell voice. Really Elvis. shocking. <laughs> I <laughs> what? And then later in my notes in all caps, nudity. <laughs> which was when he was in the locker room. Yeah. And I almost thought I was about to I saw some of Tom Hanks Bush. It was graphic. And then I wrote down the Black Panthers. I feel like there's maybe more discourse about the feather, but that's just, you know. I mean, I think you've summed it up pretty well. I think you can expound on that and sort of draw out those specific aspects of, you know, whenever Jenny was contemplating suicide, it was jumping off of a high place, you know, in, in sort of that. And she straight up says it when she's with Forrest outside of the club where she's like, do you think I could fly off of this bridge right now? And so I think that, like we could go deeper into it and analyze each scene sure. and how it compares. But I, I really agree with that. And I wasn't able to assign what exactly it meant, but it felt very like fitting. But you just it saying that's Jenny up, like, like that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Because in the actual, like the mo- like the, the feather, you know, comes at the beginning of the movie and leaves at the end. But in the timeline of the events of the movie, it's it before comes he meets as he's Stewart. about to go meet her. Yeah. And it leaves after she dies. Yeah. Like, he keeps it in his little briefcase. Mm-hmm. I want to see if there's more things in that briefcase. I just remember at the start of the movie, he opened it up. And I my, immediately in my head, I went, ping pong paddle. <laughs> I bet if we went back and looked briefcase. at a still of that shot, you'd be able to see, like, one of everything. There's, like, multiple things. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Forrest Gump. Do you have any other thoughts? I don't. I don't. That's all my notes. I also really loved it. Okay. What's the next part? We get into the the parental guidance of this movie. PG-13. 
Uh-oh, might want to skip ahead or grab your parents because this next section requires some parental guidance. All right, welcome to the parental guidance segment of the podcast. This is the segment where we discuss why we haven't seen the movie, you know, what barred us from seeing it in our given households or what made us choose not to see it or if we just kind of missed the movie. I am the only one who missed this movie, (laughs) but I do want to follow up with Rebecca afterwards because I have questions. But there are, like... I'm unclear if my mom has seen this movie and she knew about the content or if she just heard about it. Right. Like there's some scenes that are inappropriate that I can see her mindset being like when you're older. But there's others like Jenny being fully naked with a guitar that I'm like, I just don't think she ever would be down for that. Mm -hmm. There was lots of content in the movie. There was the locker room scene with naked men. There was the strip club and Jenny being naked with a guitar. Um, I saw side boob when she ran off stage. Um There was, you know, the almost sex scene. There was the later sex scene. There was the sex scene with on New Year's Eve with the women from the club. There was language in it. There was drug and alcohol use. There was all kinds of stuff in this movie. And granted, a lot of it was quick. Not a, not a lot of it was like super graphic. But it was present. Prolonged. Like, you know, yeah. we, we saw lines of coke. You know, we saw, like, they did a fade to black on the sex scene. They, it was very, like, implied. You know, like, the girls didn't even finish undressing in the, in the New Year's Eve scene. You know, they left yeah. still clothed. Um, so there was a lot. I think they did a, a good job of very clearly implying what was going on without getting very graphic with it. Yeah. But those are all, like, this was a movie where it was so popular that people were so shocked I hadn't seen it that I had asked my mom a few times across the span of my childhood. And she was just like, there's just some icky stuff in it. And now I know why. Yeah. There's so many people in YouTube comments who are like, this is why this is my favorite childhood movie. And I'm like, define childhood. childhood. Because, like, PG-13 feels like an apt rating. Like, depending on what you and your household's values are, it's like, I don't think that any of this is, like, too much for a 13-year-old to handle. But it's like, how old were you? What do you mean (laughs) childhood? Were you eight watching this movie? It is inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah. But again, what I'm finding out is the 90s was a lawless time. And this just goes into the, um, the goonies of it all, where I'm like, I just think that there are two households in america of childhood there's the ones that are raised very christian and the ones raised very secular and so a lot of i feel like i in my church grew up around a lot of people who were raised in the church and went to the church but were like allowed to basically watch whatever right like the like church morals was not imposed on their viewing habits pretty much I was just used to everyone in my youth group having seen movies that my mom wouldn't let me watch in a million years. I had a very similar experience. My parents' standards were much, much stricter than the churches that I grew up in. Yeah, which is just, there's a a lot to figure out there. But yeah, there was just like a lot of people that were like, like younger than 13 who had definitely watched this movie already and seen it and loved it. And it was great. 
I'm interested. When did you see this movie? I saw this movie in college. Okay. I saw it in like the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep during like freshman or sophomore year. Just by yourself. Yeah. Just like in my bed (laughs) at night and just crying so much. And I remember watching it and being like, this is why I wasn't allowed to watch this movie. Yeah. Because I remember I, I remember watching it and loving it so much. And I actually remember thinking, I was like, I don't know. I don't think my parents have seen this movie, but I think they would love it. So I was like watching it with this like thought of like, is this a movie I can recommend to my parents? And I think I think I actually did. Like within the last year or two, somebody was talking, I think my mom was talking about how much she loved Tom Hanks. And I was like, did you ever watch Forrest Gump? And she said, no. And I was like, I really think you would love it. Like watch it with the remote to fast forward. Like, you know, because that's, that, that's how she would want to watch it. But like, I think you would really love it. Like, I know it's, it's just such this heart touching movie. Like, I know you would love it. So I I recommended it to her. I don't know if she's seen it. I'll, I'll have to ask her. I just wanted to reiterate that all of the reasons that Jamin couldn't see it were also the reasons that I couldn't see it. I just beat him by like a few years of my own decision making. And I watched it secretly in the middle of the night and like deleted the search history after. Like I like covered up my tracks. Like it was a a sneaky thing, a sneaky thing I was doing. Even in college? Yeah. That brings up a good point that it's like I could have watched it within the last like nine years sure but but like i think we were talking about how it's like it's not a fun it's not like a oh hey everybody's over hey why don't we put on forest gump well and it's one of those that it's just like i don't i didn't know anything about it like i just know that it's good right but i don't know a thing to hook me to make me want to watch it sure sure and so i just wasn't motivated to watch it and no one was ever making me watch it and so Credit to this podcast again for getting me to watch really good movies. Nice. Whoever came up with this podcast, thanks. Shout out. Shout out to those. Those people. (laughs) Let's get into the thoughts and prayers of it all. When times get tough, we offer thoughts and prayers. everyone no i didn't like that all right you know what time you know okay i'll start over (laughs) hey everybody welcome back to thoughts and prayers jamin shut your mouth i had a stroke on camera okay don't make fun of me for it this is the segment where we This is Thoughts and Prayers. This is the segment where it's a little bit of a funny segment. We offer up thoughts and prayers to different ideas, concepts, characters, moments, ideas surrounding the movie. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. I just want to offer up a thoughts and prayers for the iron that Forrest uses every goddamn day to get his shirts so pressed. Thoughts and prayers. That iron is overworked and underpaid. <laughs> That's such a specific observation. You won't find Forrest with a wrinkled shirt. You won't. Re- replay the movie. 
My first thoughts and prayers goes out to people who hate prequel movies that explain things that never ask for an explanation because this movie was coming for their necks. Mm. Mm-hmm. You've got the reason why Elvis <laughs> does that thing with his legs. You've got the reason why John Lennon wrote Imagine. <laughs> you've got the reason why we found out about Watergate. I mean, you've got <laughs> you've got lots being explained here that you didn't know needed explained. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to those people. I bet they're seething. <laughs> They remember that Forrest Gump's that Forrest Gump exists and they just like die all over again. I have a thoughts and prayers for Forrest's drill sergeant in his boot camp for losing what was probably his best good friend when Forrest went to war. I think Forrest made that sergeant's life. He loved him. He was such a good soldier. He always mm. had the right answer. He was so fast with his rifle. Just thoughts mm-hmm. and prayers for that for that drill sergeant who had to cope with losing Forrest. Mm-hmm. Don't ask, don't tell. So, <gasps> um. <laughs> how long were you waiting to say that? From the minute that you said he loved Forrest. (laughs) I was waiting till you finished it. (laughs) Thoughts and prayers to each and every person who missed their job interview because some guy kept them prisoner at a bus stop with his crazy stories. The, like, old lady was really there for it, but nearly every other person we saw listening was like, okay, (laughs) I'm reading the paper. (laughs) You're still talking. (laughs) They're really not here for it. And, like, half the time we cut back to him telling the story and they've left. Someone else has been (laughs) tapped in. Thoughts and prayers. I hope they ended up getting it. Thoughts and prayers for every cell service company that was put to shame by whoever Lieutenant Dan was using on that backpack phone in the middle of the jungle. My goodness. I understand that it's probably a radio, but it was shaped like a phone, so my little civilian brain can't put that together. And wow. Wow. That little backpack the, was working the, till like, the very clarity, end. The clarity, the the like volume too. Yeah, you could hear it so well, clearer than any fire. radio I've ever heard. I mm-hmm. I think that radio took a bullet and was still loud and clear. It was Verizon. Thoughts and prayers to everyone else. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers to Sprint. Um, <laughs> Just in general, nothing to do with this. My thoughts and prayers, my next thoughts and prayers goes out to each and every person who furrowed their brow when I said I couldn't watch this movie. I'm coming for you. Your days are numbered. Jamin's got a list. You made me feel like a fool and only thoughts and prayers can save you now. (laughs) (laughs) That's cold. That's cold that you're offering those thoughts and prayers. They're going to be cold. Speaking of dead bodies, for my last thoughts and prayers, (laughs) 
My last thoughts and prayers goes out to the assassin who was assigned to kill Forrest Gump, but keeps getting sidetracked by all of his various associates. <laughs> Literally everybody that Forrest met at some point in the story, he was like, he died. He got shot. <laughs> Forrest stopped going and meeting people. <laughs> has a curse on him yeah that's how it that's how the wording started i said thoughts and prayers for the court the curse of forrest gump where if you meet him you get shot <laughs> not even his mother not even his wife are safe nobody's safe everybody not even the president uh, two of them two of them now we know why there was two <laughs> so and the other Kennedy, and Lennon, and Bubba. Wait, wait, I'm telling you, every single person that Forrest ever talked to got shot. That assassin was busy. <laughs> he was also apparently late. <laughs> he was late. He was like missing Forrest buses. Forrest was with, was with John Lennon on a, on a talk show, and then like years later, he fired the shot. Like, Listen, he was confused, but he had the right spirit. <laughs> he didn't know what Forrest looked like. <laughs> so he kept he kept seeing these two people and he'd be like, I think that one's him. It's got to be one or the other, but they just split. Uh, I'll go with the guy on the left. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't retaining what Forrest looked like either. No. The, because that would be same, the common person. Right, same <laughs> confusion every time. So uh, my last thoughts and prayers goes out to the man when Forrest is running across the country. Mm-hmm. My thoughts and prayers go out to the man that's following him on the bridge who is begging for a meaning in this life. <laughs> yeah. The one who's following him, he, he's like, see, and I saw you running and I thought this guy has got it figured out. He knows what he's talking about. What is it, what is it that you're all about, man? Like, what is your, what's your story? Like, this guy knows what he's doing. This guy knows what he wants out of this life. He's like, it really that woke poor, me up. He, he's like, now I understand why I was on this earth <laughs> yeah. and it was to run. That guy, check in on him. He probably is in a cult now. He's so easily influenced. (laughs) That moment that Forrest Gump stopped running in the middle of like Nevada, that was that man's Joker like moment. (laughs) (laughs) He had found his Messiah and then his Messiah said, I want to go home. Okay. Those are all my thoughts and prayers. Those are all yours too, right? Yep. All right. So that brings us to best part, worst part. For those who listened, thank you. And for those who skipped right to the end, we get you. Here it is. Best part, worst part. Welcome back to best part, worst part. Jamin, why don't you tell the listeners what best part, worst part is all about? Oh, so this part of the podcast, guys, get this. This is the part, this is the part where we eat. This is the part of the podcast where we each decide what the best part of the movie was for us and the worst part of the movie was. We try to stick to a concrete part, like a scene, a moment, not an idea or theme. 
and we cannot pick the same part as each other or we end the podcast then and there forever. So, oh, oh wow. <laughs> it's like an explosion. So, <laughs> we, a red a laser just appears on both of our heads and taken out. I think that probably your best part is going to be a lot more like interesting to talk about than mine. And so I think I should go first. Okay, go ahead. I, my best part, I thought through all the moments of the movie, guys. It's not that there weren't amazing scenes, but the scene, the, it's a very small moment that just I keep thinking about. And mm-hmm. it's the moment when young Forrest breaks off the braces and is running. But it's specifically the line, as Adult Forest says, I was running in reference to anywhere I went then, I was running. I don't even want to try to say it the way Tom Hanks says it, but that's what sells it, is the way yeah. he says it is so, it like felt inspiring. Like it, it, yeah. like, it like gave me the chills. Yeah. And it was just like, I don't know, it set the tone for the movie for me. And it set the like energy that they were going with this story. And it, like, filled me with, like, joy. It was just a very... I just loved that little moment. Yeah. I loved it so much. And so it's not, like, some deep introspective scene. It's just a little tiny moment. But I loved it. No, I love that. I love that. Yeah. For me, my favorite... Or for me, the best part was that moment where they're in the middle of the hurricane and Lieutenant Dan is up on the mast and he's like screaming up at the sky and he's like, do your worst. You can't take us down. He's like shaking his fist at the storm. I love that moment. And Forrest Gump goes on like right after that in his narration to be like, Lieutenant Dan was different after that night. And then that's what leads into the, he made peace with God. And it was just such a beautiful moment of Lieutenant Dan's story, who is probably, like, I mean, aside from Forrest Gump, I think Lieutenant Dan is my favorite character. I know he didn't really come up in the conversation just because, like, his story is pretty cut, you know, cut and dry. But it's a good story. But it's so good. And, like, seeing a man who, like dealt with that family pressure of you need to grow up and become this thing that is expected of you and having that rot his you know what he says is his destiny was taken from him and trying to find a new purpose in life and just floundering until he meets uh forest again and then they reconnect and then he comes out on the boat and then like finding that new like spark in life and finding that thing inside you that makes you scream into a storm like it was just it was such an exciting moment where like for me it was me realizing that like lieutenant dan had a new life and it was a good one and like mm-hmm. it wasn't the moment where he got his legs and he got the girl and all of that for me it was that moment in the storm on the boat um and so i just i really really love that part for me that was the best part i think that's why the the moment that he says thank you for saving my life like, he officially thanks him for it. And then, like, he made his peace with God. Like, that whole moment is so effective is because, like, you so effectively saw his journey. And yeah. saw him, like, come to peace with things and, like, feel joy again. Mm-hmm. It was done so well. That that moment when he jumped off the boat was almost my best part. My worst part, I almost, it's just like a consolation pick 
for me. I'm interested. You said that there's like multiple options. For me, it was just when Jenny tries to seduce Forrest in her dorm room. Um, again, I'm not arguing that it shouldn't be in the movie. I, I like once I have the whole picture, I do think it was effective. But it like I'm just picking it because it made me uncomfortable in the moment. Um, but I don't hate it outright. Like, there's not many moments of the movie that I can think of offhand that I'm like, that was a bad moment. I didn't like that, or that was not well done, or that was stupid, or like this, that, or the other thing. Like, I felt most anything I saw was good, was yeah. well done, was effective. So I'm just kind of like gravitating towards the one moment that I was like, get me out of here. <laughs> I don't want to watch this. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad I brought a backup because that was also my okay. first pick for worst part. So because we can't have the same ones and I want this podcast to keep going. For me, the worst part was the KKK reenactment scene. I just, mm. I don't know if it was necessary. Like, you know, he's from Alabama in the 60s and it was very clear throughout the rest of the movie what Alabama is and Alabama's past. I just like, I felt so like wrong. It, I think here's why I didn't like it. It was because it was kind of a joke. Like yes. it was a joke that like Forrest didn't get what the KKK was and that it was his grandfather was like literally a like a leader in that group. And so I didn't, and it was right at the beginning of the movie too before like Forrest had really been like established and the storyline had gotten going and I was just like ah oh. and then it like the footage quote unquote the footage just like kept going and going it wasn't like oh one shot of like him in the white hood it was like and then he's riding away on the horse and then there's everybody else there and now it's the whole group of them going on a ride and it was so like upbeat and fun and this is my family history and like I know that, that that is not the movie trying to like put it in a positive light, but it did. It was a moment that made me so like, oh, ah, ah, oh, oh, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know that that was necessary. Like we get no, it. I hear you. I, yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you for it to just be used as like a joke like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll just ask you, since you did wait a while Till mm-hmm. you saw it. By the time you saw this movie, was it worth the hype for you back then in like college? It absolutely was. Um, mm. I had not heard a whole lot about that movie. Um, and I think I just picked it because it was on my Netflix recommended. And I had just seen, I think, like The Terminal recently or Castaway recently. I'd just seen another Tom Hanks movie. And I was like, oh, he's so good. I really loved him in that movie. So I'll watch him in this. And then was just absolutely floored by how good it was. Yeah, it far exceeded any expectation that I had had for the movie. But it also just wasn't really hyped up for me. But I do agree with all of the hype. Um, and I really, really love it as a film. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jamin? For you, who just watched it yesterday, was it worth the hype for you? I would say that this and Fight Club were like the most worth the hype movies of the podcast so far for me. Ah. Like other ones have been worth the hype, but like these were the most like this movie has so much hype around it. And so I think for me to go in with the expectations that America has set for me and still walk away (laughs) thinking it was good, like, that's a good movie. 
Yeah. Like, the expectations were, like, sky high. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was very... Like, I just feel like I suddenly got what everyone else got. I feel like I'm in on the, like, inside joke now. Not that it's fully a joke, but I just mean, like, I get it now. I'm, yeah. I am I get that reference. Any, like, other thoughts? The like, closing thoughts? Or I feel like we've said everything. I don't... I don't have anything else. I really, really love this movie. Guys, thank you so much for joining us for this very fun episode of Late to the Watch Party. We're so enjoying hearing from people um, who are listening to the podcast and who have experienced the same things where they haven't seen these movies and they're watching them for the first time or they're just enjoying hearing people who've watched it for the first time. We always enjoy engagement. And so we would love on all of our Spotify episodes, you can respond to a little question prompt that's just right under the episode. I think you get like 200 characters to do so. And we always enjoy reading those as well as if you want to leave us a little review, let us know what you think of the podcast. Or if you find our Instagram, which is just called Late to the Watch Party on Instagram, you can follow the link tree and follow us on all of our socials like TikTok or Twitter um, and find us on all podcasting platforms. And other than that, insert ending quote here. We hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week for Pulp Fiction. Rebecca. Over and out. Bye, everyone. The TV I'm using is a Roku TV, but a, a third operating system. Yeah, two thirds Apple, one third whatever owns Roku. I feel like Roku owns to believe, Roku. No, I refuse to believe that they're just some in, like everything's <laughs> owned by someone. You know, like it's probably like owned by everything? Nintendo or something. Like some. That's like, what I was saying. Big... Have you ever looked into the random stuff? Like Disney owns. They own like paper towel they own like bounty (laughs) yeah why yeah they own like housing districts have you seen the like flow chart of like all candy and food brands that just link back to like the same three companies yeah and it freaks me out because i'm like some of those are competitors yeah capitalism is a sham and that one's for you anyway That'll be the cold (laughs) close. I'll just bleep out who I'm adding.